0: Heavenly Father, we come here today when we just praise you and thank you for who you are and what the church is and what it means to all of us. Our prayer now, Father, as we think of Johnny and Lynn leaving, is that they would be blessed and guided every step of the way. And Father, as we, as a church, just go through the next few weeks and months, um, that you would help us, Lord, to navigate through that. And Father, through all of this, that you would bring us closer to you and that we would become more like you. That is the most important thing. And, Father, that we would learn to love each other and to support each other and to lift each other up and to be there for each other. Father, that the church might be the church as you've meant for it to be. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Why don't you all be seated? First of all, Caitlin, I think you did a great job, girl. Where is she? Yeah, there you go. I could tell you were nervous, but you did very well. I thank you for that. That was good. This past uh, week has brought about all kinds of uh, feelings and surfaced, I think, probably have surfaced in all of our lives. And we've felt things maybe we haven't felt in a while. Um, Some of us have been angry. Some have been filled with sorrow. Others have felt grief. Others may be fear over um, what has happened, what might have happened, what could have happened, something like that. You know, Rusty Ryan used to be a member here before he passed away, and Rusty had this saying. He said, sin splatters. And, and that is so true because he was basically saying that whenever somebody sins or does something wrong, that they're not, it's not isolated to just them. Um, it splatters onto everybody. It affects everybody's life. No matter who you are, and you don't even have to be related to them or be involved in it to suffer the consequences of what has been done. You know, when we think about what has been, what has happened here, and what we're going through now, I think one of the big questions that we are at probably and hopefully are asking ourselves at this point is, how could I have not seen this? You know, how could I have not been aware of this? And uh, how did this happen? In, uh, without me knowing it, that sort of thing. And I don't want us to beat ourselves up because some things you just aren't going to be able to see or be aware of. But at the same time, I think that it's a wake-up call for all of us to begin to pay closer attention to uh, the warning signs, things that we feel that are out of character, uh, things that make us question, and um, and those things need to be brought to someone's attention. Those things need to be talked about and dealt with and investigated or whatever. But whenever you see um, subtle pleas or, or signs or something that is suspicious in another individual, especially one of our youth or children, you've got to bring that to our attention and make it known. And I'm just giving you permission to do that. Um, and suspicion may be all of that it is, but that's okay. You can come to me with it, and I will try to deal with it then and go from there. But uh, please feel free. My door is always open. Last Sunday, we had a meeting. Um, I was telling somebody earlier, I had a sermon all planned, and up until that very morning, I did not even know what I was going to do. I didn't want to just get up and preach a sermon about marriage (laughs) with everything that was going on. So we took the time just to open it up and to share the circumstance, the situation that we were in, but also to open it up and allow you to share your thoughts, your feelings, your questions, your prayers, and so forth. And we did that. Um, Everybody had a chance to offer an opinion or talk about how they feel, and that's what it was for. Nobody was here to try to tell you what to think or feel. And so we allowed you to do that. In situations like that, whenever I done that, or even when I'm in a meeting or talk to somebody, I always like to go home and just sit quietly and sort of debrief because I want to go back over in my mind, okay, why did that person ask of that? What were they trying to get at? What was their real question? When somebody said this, they make this statement, then what are they struggling with? What is the problem? And trying to put words into it as far as an understanding of what is taking place and sometimes what somebody's really trying to say. As I was thinking about the meeting, the thing that just uh, kept coming up to me and was like, I'm not sure, as things were mentioned about forgiveness and other things mentioned about accountability, I'm not sure that we as a church are real clear on what that means. Um, I want to take a few minutes, and and bear with me here, okay, because I'm going to share some things with you that maybe you haven't heard before. Um, some things concerning the questions and an understanding of what forgiveness really is, because when you hear somebody say that, you need to know in your mind what that means biblically and what it doesn't mean, because that's important. Because, you see, we can all associate or, or begin to try to put words into somebody's mouth and un, uh, an understanding maybe that they didn't intend. And so we've got to be careful of doing that. So here's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes, and then we're going to have communion together. But I want to talk on this subject. I might be clarifying some things here. If you were to ask the average person what forgiveness is, the definition would go something like this. Now listen carefully, because this may be what you're thinking or what you perceive somebody's thinking. But the common perception of what forgiveness is would go something like this. To forgive means... To let the guilty person get off the hook. You sweep it under the rug. You forget about it. You go on like nothing happened. You just restore them back to the way it was and go on. And I don't know that anybody thinks that in here, but I'll, I'll guarantee you in the back of our minds there's this gnawing perception that maybe, maybe that's what we're doing. Maybe that's what we're talking about. And let me assure you that it isn't. I'm going to share with you two things real quick on this subject, okay? Here's the first one. There is a difference between forgiveness and restoration. There is a difference between forgiveness and restoration. Now let me give you an example, okay? Listen to, listen carefully. Back in the 80s, when we were, I was in seminary. We were living over in the Duncanville area, going to seminary. Um, we had very, very close friends. Um, my wife especially was very close with a lady there in the church. We'll call her Sally because I don't want anything to get out about names. We'll call her Sally. Um, Deborah and Sally, they had children about the age of our children, and they were in the same grade, and everything just meshed. It was a perfect relationship. And Deb and Sally were just, you would say, joined at the hip. They went shopping together. They dealt with the kids together. They did activities with the kids together. They were best friends. If you were to ask one of them the relationship, they would tell you, we love each other. As time went on, Um, Sally began to uh, be very concerned about her child in school. Now, here's what what was happening. About that time, I think they call them AP AP classes. What do you do? The advanced classes. What do you call them? AP classes. Uh, They were just getting something like that going over there in the school. And she was very intent and, and, and determined to get her little girl in that class. And she and Deborah were talking, and Deborah said, "Why are you going to?" She's go- she goes and talks to the teacher, and she goes and talks to the principal. She's trying to push this little girl into this class. Deborah said, "Why are you doing that? I mean, wh- it's not that important. If she gets in, fine. If she doesn't get in, so things went on for another week or so, and then Deb gets a letter in the mail saying that our daughter was accepted into this thing. We didn't ask for it, but she was accepted and given the opportunity to come into it." Well, Deborah said, do you want to do it? And she said, yeah, so we went ahead and let her do it. Well, now you can imagine that when Sally hears about this, everything blows up. She becomes so irate, so jealous, so mad, because in her mind, Deborah didn't want her daughter and said, why are you pushing it, but yet at the same time let our daughter do it. So it was a bit of what she perceived to be hypocrisy. It blew up. I mean, she was vicious, she was hateful, she was horrible. And it crushed my wife. Time goes on. Deborah's having to struggle with this, and she's emotionally just distraught. And as time goes on, Deborah was into some counseling. We've told you this before because of some childhood issues she was going through. Or had not going through, childhood things that had happened long ago. And so the counselor said, why don't you bring Sally in here and let's talk about it. So they did. They came in. Now this is a year or two later. This is a while back, a while uh, afterwards. And um, they pretty much under came to an understanding of what took place and were able to hug and leave on good terms. But the relationship was never restored. They were never, ever able to have a relationship, and nothing was standing in the way except that there had been so much hurt and pain in breaking of trust, so to speak, that they neither one felt comfortable with it, but especially Deb. She just didn't feel comfortable. So if you were to ask Deborah, does she care about this lady? Well, of course, I care about her. Am I going to have a relationship with her? No, I'm determined that's not going to take place. The same thing happens and has happened many times in marriages. A couple comes into my office and they'll sit in front of me and they are just livid with each other. They're going through a divorce. And I've had men and women sit in front of my desk who have basically told me if I could do it, I would kill that person. That's how bad it is. Some of you that have gone through divorce may feel the same way. How many times have we talked about, well, our exes, you know, how bad this relationship is. And as time goes on and the divorce takes place, they realize that they can resolve the issues. So they resolve the issues and the relationship somewhat is, at least they come to an understanding. But the relationship itself is never restored. They don't get married again. They're barely friends, barely speaking. Now you see there's a difference between being able to forgive somebody and having to restore the relationship with that person. See, this is what I think we're confusing. Now let's apply it to the situation that we're facing here in this church with the thing that we're going through here with, with what has happened with, with Will and, and this offense. And let me just tell you that regardless of what you're trying to say when you talk about forgiveness and so forth or anger whatever, That in a church like this, there there are some sins, some offenses that may be forgiven, but the relationship can never be restored because of the break in trust in what has happened and that it is a, a, a severe enough offense that nobody wants to go back into any kind of relationship again. This is true with Will. He is facing legal consequences, but he's also has faced church consequences as well. Because this week, as elders, we decided we've got to, we've got to address this because the question was asked last week, would, Lil, would Will ever be allowed back into the church? And honestly, I'd never thought of it because I would just assume that he wouldn't be free. But, you know, he may make bail, he may get out. He may do a plea bargain or something. He may be freed. I have no idea what that future, what the future holds for that. But we, have, as a group of elders, have already voted that Will would never, ever be allowed back in the church. And you need to know that because restoration to the church is, we've determined, is something we can't do because of the severity of the crime. There are some things that you might be able to work with. Child molestation isn't one of them. And so we as a group unanimously have decided that that would never happen. Now, why am I telling you this? Because you need to know what we're dealing with, with forgiveness or restoration and what to expect. You're never going to have to worry about coming in here and... and uh, will showing up, or anything like that. So regardless of what you feel, you need to be able to understand and have confidence that that will never take place. Now, having said that, let me say some other things. Forgiveness does not eliminate justice. Now, you need to think about these things, I'm telling you, okay? Forgiveness does not mean that you eliminate or do away with justice. Justice simply means that which is right. You're doing that which is right. Okay, there's a sentence for a crime. That's justice. Justice has to be served. There are consequences in a church. When a crime is committed like this, that has to take place. And as a church, we have to be bold enough to stand up and to say, this cannot happen and it will not be allowed and make a statement against that. To forgive doesn't mean that you do away with justice. Now, folks, listen to me very carefully about this, okay, because you've got to understand this, okay? People think in their minds that in order to forgive someone, that you have to therefore do away with the penalty of what they've done, that you go and run around justice in order to forgive and maybe restore in their minds what that person has done. That's not the case. Now let me show you something. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe in forgiveness. We believe in faith. We believe that God forgives our sins and so forth. But do you know that the gospel of grace is based on justice? And what that means is this. That God did not ever say to you, I will just forgive you for no reason. I will just forgive you because you believe in me. And we'll just wipe the slate clean and that's the end of that. God's forgiveness is based on justice. Justice said the penalty of sin is death. God said instead of you doing it, I'll do it. So God satisfied his own justice. By sending his son to the the cross. God didn't do away with justice. He didn't ignore it. In his holiness, he required that the sin be paid for. That your sin be paid for. And because of his love for you, he then carried out the sentence. Just not on us. And that's the beauty of the gospel. So don't think that God just up and one day said, I think I'll just forgive you. It's okay. It doesn't matter what you've done. We'll just forget about it. God said, no, what you've done is horrible, and the penalty has to be paid. But out of my love for you, I'll pay the penalty for you. See, there's the difference. But if you think that somehow when a Christian talks about forgiveness, they're talking about doing an end run around the justice of God, then you're mistaken. That's not what anybody's... Or at least I can't speak for everybody. I'm talking about, I can say me, and I can speak for what the Bible says. Now, here's the second thing that I want you to understand. Now, the first being that there's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. But here's something else I want you to hear, okay? Forgiveness is not between you and the offender. Now, you got to think about this. This is going to challenge your thinking, Okay? When we talk about forgiveness, or when the Bible talks about forgiveness, you've got to understand that it's not a relationship or a transaction between you and the person that's offended you. Let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, that someone has offended you or sinned against you or done something horrible, and you have just hated them. You are so angry at them that you literally could kill them given the opportunity. Do you think it bothers them? Do you think that your hatred or anger toward that person in any way hurts them? You see, sometimes we have this this idea that this person has done something so horrible that I have got to hate them in order to punish them. And you have missed the point because you're not going to punish that person. That person usually isn't aware of it or and sometimes doesn't even care. Do you know who really gets punished when we hate people? Well, we do. You're the one that's eaten up with it. You're the one that physically can't eat. You're the one that is distraught and thinks about it all the time. You're the one that is filled with anger. You're the one whose relationship with the Lord is strained because of what you're feeling. So then what what exactly are we talking about then when we talk about forgiveness? When we're talking about you, and and let me make this statement, even though the forgiveness is not between you and the other person, it is between you and God. My forgiveness of somebody else is between me and God because that person may never know that I forgave them. They may not even be alive. Have you ever done that? My My mother or my father abused me as a child and treated me horribly, and I hated them all my life. And now I've changed my mind. I want to forgive them, but they're not alive. It doesn't matter. Because you're not forgiving them directly. You're letting it go to God. You're saying, in effect, God, you're the one that handles uh, vengeance. You're the one that gets even. You're the one that evens the score. And I'm choosing now to trust you and let this go as far as what I'm feeling. Because it isn't going to affect that person one way or the other. But it affects me. And before you, I bow before you, and I lay my anger, my hatred, and my resentment, and everything else at your feet. And Lord, whatever happens to the person that has offended me or hurt me is between you and them, but between you and me, Lord, uh, this can't go on. And so we do that. We come before the Lord, we lay it down, and we forgive. And we sometimes think that in order to forgive, we've got to, Somehow tell the person and have their blessing and so forth before it takes. No, it doesn't. They may not even know, and that's okay. That's not always what forgiveness is. I saw this um, on Facebook. Uh, People just forward things that come across, and I picked it up, somebody forwarded it to me, and I thought it was pretty good. It says, forgiving is not forgetting. It is remembering without the anger. You'll never forget, okay? That's not the issue. It's, it's not good to forget. Because if you forget, you're prone to make the same mistake again. You're prone not to be attentive again. And we don't want to do that. So you need to understand that um, it's not about forgetting. But the question that everybody has to face is this. Even though we have the right, now please understand that, Your anger, resentment or hatred or whatever you may be feeling, let me say this, because of the crime, you have the right to react that way. Do you hear me? We're human beings. And we react to things that are ungodly. We we react to things that hurt us and we have every right to do that. But the question everybody's got to ask is this. Am I willing to continue on, to let that control me? Am I going to let it control me? Now, let me just mention um, that everybody Everybody comes to this point in their own pace. Now, as a church, we react. We, every, everybody does. We, we react to things. And you've got to back up and you've got to say to yourself, I realize I'm angry, and I have the right to be. God's angry. I realize what I'm feeling, and it's okay to feel that. But I also realize that somewhere down the road, God and I have to let this go. I mean, God's got to help me, and I've got to let it go because it's just going to eat at me. Everybody gets there at their own pace, okay? So whenever you talk to somebody and they say, that they're willing to forgive, well, don't, don't bite their heads off. They're moving along at their own pace as, as they're dealing with the situation. Others are angry and resentful and they can't believe that they were, their trust was broken and all of these things they're feeling and don't get angry at them either. Don't say to them you're wrong because they're not. They're coming along at their own pace in their own time as God brings them along. And you and I have got to allow each other to go through this process, however that may be for us. We're all different. We all have different personalities and temperaments, and that's what's going to happen. But the main thing is this. We don't devour each other in the process. You don't hurt each other. You don't shoot each other. But you're patient and tolerant, and let e- you let each other come along at their own pace. And no matter what we do or how we respond, the key is this, that we always go back before the Lord. And we say, okay, Lord, I'm confessing to you my feelings. And just tell God. That you, you, this is the best thing you can do. God, right now I feel anger, hatred. I want to do, if you want to kill somebody, tell God. Why would you not say that if that's what you're feeling? Do you think God doesn't know? Just say it. Say, God, I know in my heart from your word that this is not the right thing. So, Lord, in time, I want you to take me and move me where I need to be to bring about healing. And I will trust you to do that in my life. I really will. Now that's all I want to say, okay? It's not usually the way in a sermon, but that's all I want to say. Um, before we go to communion, there are some updates, some things I need to tell you to make you aware of, okay? The children have been placed in our church. The girls are going with Nathan and Lynette Anderson. These are, I'm guessing, temporary placements. And there's a whole process for this that uh, they're aware of. The boys are going with Tim and Lori Rainwater. And they are going to be caring for them and bringing them to church in the next few weeks whenever the children are ready to come back. Um, just, I would tell you, just go on with life as usual, you know. Um, there's going to be some embarrassment, I would imagine, some things like that. Just, Accept them and treat them like normal. Don't make a big deal out of it. There is one thing, though, we need to talk about. In this process, we've come to realize that the caseworkers that are in charge of the placement, there are guidelines for bringing the children back into the church. And one of those was that they can't be in the church where the family is because their fear and their experience that they've had in the past is that the family will try to influence the kids to recant or do something different. Um, and that doesn't mean that it would be true in this situation, but because it could possibly be true, then that is the requirement. So we're abiding by that. And what we did was yesterday, the elders met with um, Joseph and Jeremy Husseltine and Lori was unavailable at that meeting. But, and we talked with them about these are the guidelines we've been given. And the children were wanting to come back into the church and be with these families. And Jeremy's response was, he said, I'm glad. He said, I'm glad they're coming back, that they're not in the uh, facility that they were in and that they'll be cared for. He said, I really mean that. In talking to them, we, we posed to them the problem that we are going to need to ask and see if they would do this to attend a different church as we bring these children back into the church and so forth. And so they have agreed. In doing that, I've told them that if, if wherever you decide to go, if the pastor needs to talk to me, I will be more than happy to talk with them and explain this situation and tell them why this is happening and so forth. But it's hard, it's difficult, it's never easy. But this is what I meant earlier about one person's sin splattering and affecting everybody else. And it happens. And we've got to just be aware of that so that's where we stand at this point and they are um they are abiding by that and, and see the point in it and so it was a, it was a good meeting now i know that there are going to be mixed emotions on on both sides of that because you know depending on your relationship to people it's going to determine how deeply you respond and and i understand that believe me we sat there in that meeting and it was not pleasant, or something we wanted to bring up. I understand that. But at the same time, it's something that we felt we needed to do for the benefit of the kids and bringing them back into the church. And so that's the decision. If you want to talk about it, come and see one of the elders and talk to us about it. Please do not get on Facebook bad-mouthing us. This is not, you know, this is not easy for us either. And so we would appreciate at least that courtesy. Um, so if you want to talk, our doors are open. Please come and talk with us, okay? All right, at this time, I would like to have the men come forward for our communion service. And here's what I want to do as you go to communion today. This is a time when I think as Christians, God established this for us so that we could come together as the church. And we come together as one. We come together as God's body, his body. And we come together and we remember what Jesus did for us. We remember and reflect on that and talk about that this is the body that I hold in my hand. This is the blood that I hold in the cup and what it represents and what it means. Now let me go back to what I said earlier. That, that God... Uh, my boys are about to dump the communion over here. but um, That God satisfied his own judgment against us. His justice was satisfied in Christ. That's what gives us forgiveness. It's because Jesus paid it all. And as we come together today to partake of communion, let's remember that. But also remember this. We need to do some soul searching. Now please hear what I'm about to say, okay? As you come here before the Lord's Supper today, you need to ask yourself, is there anything in my life that if it was known, would splatter on everybody around me. And you need to deal with that today. You need to deal with this honestly. Because as a church, we need to be caring for one another and holding each other up and holding each other accountable. And let me say this, if you need counseling, if you need to talk to somebody, if you need help, come and see me, okay? If you want to repent and straighten some things out, come and see me. I'd be more than happy to talk with you. But for right now, we're going to partake together. I'm going to ask that everybody wait until everybody's been served, and then we'll uh, partake together. But if it would, the men come on and let's distribute this. That night in the upper room when Jesus was with the disciples, he took the bread and he passed it and they broke it and they took it. And he said, take and eat this. He said, because as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. This is the time when you and I sit quietly and we reflect. We remember, see. We remember who we are. We remember what God has done for us. We remember why we worship him. And so as we partake together, see, it's an act of worship because we are remembering and acknowledging the power of God and what he's done for us. Let's partake together. Our Heavenly Father, we bow here before you, and Lord, we, we just want to thank you for loving us and thank you for caring about us. Father, thank you for your forgiveness for all the things that we've done. And Lord, I pray that there would be healing in our church Only because of the body of Christ, because given human reactions, that would never take place. But because you have died for us, because you have taken our guilt, our sin, our hatred, our uh, everything, you've taken it on yourself and you've placed it within us through your spirit. Father, we pray for healing for the entire church. And Father, we pray for healing for the Heseltine family as well. So, Lord, I pray that you'd go before us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Bible tells us that same night, he took the cup and he passed it to these disciples and he said, now you take and you drink this. This is my blood that is shed for you. He said, and as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. So as we partake together this morning, we do that in remembrance of what he's done for us. The blood that covers sin. The blood pays for sin. And so let's take out of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. For forgiving all of us. All sin. Let's take together. Father, we are so thankful that forgiveness is offered to all. And Father, we come before you with nothing but gratitude in our hearts. Because when we think of ourselves, Lord, we are humbled by the fact that you do forgive us. Thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you get.